Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on part two of Crossroads. All right, I was already somewhat concerned about my time today and the amount of things that I wanted to share. And now I'm more concerned. And... Um, I usually go straight from my computer so I don't actually feel the weight of how many pages that I just think that I'm going to cover. And I had them printed today because I may move around a little bit more and I'm now I'm thinking, oh my goodness, serious. So everybody buckle up, buttercup. We're going to do it in high speed today, all right? We're going to do it in high speed today. For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about crossroads, and um, what's that called when it's two words that cross? Anybody know? And you use the same letter in the same words. This thing, what is that called when that happens? I don't know. Nobody knows, okay? It's a thing with two words, okay, and it's symbolic because it's the cross, and it's crossroads at the same time, and the cross, the cross presents to us some crossroads. The cross presents to us some choices. The cross came out of some crossroads of God. The cross is a product of God's choice at a crossroads of what to do with mankind. Now, it wasn't a crossroads that he had to react to that just stumbled upon him. It was a crossroads that he knew before the foundations of the world, and so he went ahead and made his choice at that crossroads before he ever presented the things that would bring about the crossroads. Before he ever made us, he decided to redeem us. Before he ever created you, he knew he was going to have to die for you. So before the foundations of the world, he knew that his choice was made for you. And so last week we talked about God's choice that precipitated the cross and thus leaves us with a choice. We talked about that choice last week. Just a brief summary because of where we're going today, I need to bring up one point of that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time recapping. But one thing we discussed last week is that if you take all of humanity and even before humanity, if you take eternity and you put it on a chronological timeline, okay? So before time began, God was. So that's infinity. So that's kind of hard to timeline, right? And he will never end. So that's kind of hard. But let's just say we go as far as we can and we decide we can't go any further because our mind can't comprehend it. And let's put some parameters And let's just say at some point there was a beginning and some point there's an end, even though it's more than we could ever comprehend. Infinity, let's say, but our infinity has two ends, just for you to maybe get your brain around it today. And in in that timeline of infinity, let's take every moment, not even minute, but every moment that has existed. That's a pretty significant number, Right? And then let's take every moment, and let's, that's the length, and now let's make it depth by every person who encountered those moments. Okay? 
So in every moment in that timeline, as far as that goes and as deep as that is, and then let's make it also every person at any moment. So this moment, this, this many people were there. This moment, one was less because one person slipped into eternity right there and they didn't actually experience it here. But you know what? Even in eternity, they're experiencing it. So really every person that's ever lived is still in the timeline and it never diminishes. Wow. Didn't even think about that till just now. So the timeline doesn't, it's just, so where we are now in the course of history, how many experiences are happening in this moment, whether on this planet or in eternity somewhere? All right? And then you multiply every one of those moments, time every person have. And so the, the, the point last week was, in all of that, there's you. And there's your lifespan. So in all of that, the entirety of your life is still less than microscopic today. But then if we dissect your life down to moments, that is like you having to have one of those microscopes that don't fit in this room, right? That's telescope. But microscopes, I don't know, computer things, you know. There are things that are un- Seeable, that's my big scientific word. There are things that they've not even made something yet that can see the thing. I don't know how they know the thing is there, but there are things that they say you cannot see. And they can't, have not found a way to see it yet. That's your choices, your negative choices, in a sea of God, every moment that's ever been in every person's life, God has made the same choice. Redemption. 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 His choice was made before the foundations of the world. It's never changed. He's reiterated his choice. Just now he reiterated his choice. Everybody? Just now he reiterated his choice. Just now he reiterated his choice. Just now he reiterated his choice. So your one bad choice is, and you thinking somehow you're going to redefine God and his love for you by making a bad choice is like taking, we said last week, an eyedropper and dropping one bad choice. Now that's 25 gallons can you imagine if we just did that in the ocean? And that thing we came up with earlier is bigger than the ocean. Now, you guys know how I am. We definitely don't have time for this today, but as soon as I made that analogy last week, who in this room thought that before this week I would be able to tell you how many eyedroppers it would take to change the color of the ocean? Paul, you're letting me down I mean, I just thought you for sure. You, anybody that knows me knows what my mind thinks. If I made a point and led by the Spirit to do it, i got to go back now and just answer that question in my mind, right? And so I did that this week. A dropper is 0 .05 milliliters, okay? And it takes approximately 0 .05 milliliters of food coloring. One drop can effectively change eight ounces of water. They have a figure that determines what they believe are the amount of 
ounces of water on the planet, and then you can do that math. I'm going to save you those numbers today. But it is a possible thing to come up with. And I just want you to know, scientifically, my point is validated through that. <laughs> if anybody was wondering if I was kind of, I don't know, maybe it will, you know. That was, this little drop was not part of my analogy today, but I went ahead and did it, and that's pretty cool. But it, um, in the ocean, it would be absolutely ridiculous to think it's going to change. And so we talked last week about the choice that was given to us because of his choice. That's a crossroads in our life. Today, I want to talk about another choice that was provided to us because of the cross, and that is the choice of rest. The choice of rest. If you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at 1 through 7. And his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children, subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God still loved us because he had made a choice. With such a great love, he is so rich in compassion and mercy, even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, our bad choices... We weren't able to change his mind. I'm sorry that I did some paraphrasing there. I don't want you guys to get confused. We were doomed in our many sins. He united us into Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated, say co-seated, as one with Christ throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display Check this out. This is what you're called to do in life. We will be the visible display of the infinite, we just talked about it, limitless riches of his grace and kindness which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. Any volunteers? To be co-seated with Christ and be the divisible display of his infinite limitless riches of his grace and kindness. Pick me. Show off, God. Just go on and show off to everybody. I'll, I'll just sit there and be that, be your prize. I'll be your trophy wife. I'll be the one. You show off everybody. Just show them how big and bad and good you are and show them in me. But will we? Because this is part of it. It's impossible for him, for us to be the display of the riches of his goodness if we won't 
rest. Do you hear me? It's impossible for us to be the display of the riches of God's goodness if we will not rest. Because it's going to be tainted. When God blesses you in your striving, what does the world see? Striving brings stuff. They don't see the goodness and riches of God. They see the same model that the world shows. Striving, self-preservation brings stuff. But what will they see when they see this? And yet, and yet, I have more than enough. And yet, all things are working together for good, for me. And yet, I have need of nothing. And yet, I have no fear and no dread or no anxiety. What does that display to the world? The only way we can fulfill the purposes of God through our life and the purposes being real difficult, right? Him displaying the riches of his goodness to the world around us. The only way that happens is if there's a people who will rest. Not partial rest. The world takes partial rest. The world has me time. The world indulges themselves out of selfishness. If we turn around and go to God only when we need him, how different are we from the world? But if we rest in him always because our, all our confidence is in him, then he can fully display who he is through us. This is our position. It's amazing we sang, this is how I fight my battles, and then we sang, he's a God of miracles. You'll never fight your battles like this without believing he's the God of miracles. You can't have one without the other. What came first, the chicken or the egg? The ability to fight your battles from a place of rest is in the absolute knowing that God is a God who chose you, who will never leave you, who will never forsake you. Let me make a disclaimer. I was going to ask y'all's permission at the beginning of the service, but then I found my permission in the Word, so I'm going to just tell you why I feel I have permission today. I was going to ask you if it's okay if I talk about a topic today that I haven't perfected. Or would that be hypocritical? So I was going to ask you guys for permission to allow me to talk about a subject today that I have not perfected and all of us attempt to learn it together. But then I found that Paul encouraged people and said, it's not that I've obtained this, but I'm pressing forward. So I feel if Paul could do it, that kind of gives me license to do it today. All right? So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we have to learn to rest. 
The place Christ secured for us on the cross is a place of rest. Look at John 14, 1 through 2. Do not let your heart be troubled. You know what I love about John 14, verse 1? Many of you may not know this, especially if you take clips from Scripture and just hear sound bites or read sound bites and just read them out of whatever text. But if you read the Bible literally and you don't get so caught up with the chapters and the verses and you realize that they're letters, John 14, verse 1, when Jesus says, but some, of you, some translations even have the but there, but let not your heart be troubled, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. This verse, this sentence is the next sentence after Jesus tells Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to make a boo-boo. You're going to make a bad choice soon three of them <laughs> let me get my dropper out <laughs> you're gonna make some bad choices soon but but that's the whole point of this thing i'm doing peter see if you were able to make it on your own and you were able to live a life that never makes a bad choice, then I could stay here with you, and we could all make good choices together. But since you're not me, and since you're not part God and part man, since you're not 100% God, sorry, let me clarify that, since you're not 100% God and 100% man, <laughs> just see that on Facebook tomorrow. If you were 100% God and 100% man, we could all stay down here together and be 100% God and 100% man together and have a good time. But y'all aren't. I am. I got things to do to make it where you guys can survive and be like me. Then you can take 100% God inside of you. Huh? And then you can be 100% man controlled by 100% God in your thought processes and your actions. I need to go prepare a place for you, and it's expedient that I go so the Holy Spirit can come because now I'm limited by flesh and blood. I've got uh, restrictions of natural parameters. I need to send one that can enter you and can work through you and can supersede all of the parameters that I'm bound by. So i got to go, but don't worry. You're not going to be perfect. That's the whole point of this. But I'm going to make you perfect as I am perfect. Everyone that calls my father, father, as I call him father, you're going to be holy as I am holy. It's going to be a process, but it's going to happen nonetheless. It's actually going to happen instantaneously, but it's going to be revealed through a process. How's that? I'm going to prepare a place. Look at it in the, tra uh, the Passion Translation. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. Yeah. Somebody just receive that right now. Yeah. Don't worry or surrender to your fear, for you've, been, you've believed in God. Now trust and believe in me also. My Father's house has many dwelling places. We've talked about this before. That's not dwelling places. That's not houses. That's not addresses on the streets of gold. 
That's the span of his influence and control. It's not limited by the uh, hemispheres of heaven or the hemispheres of earth. There is no delineation in the influence and control of God's kingdom. It's not relegated to one place. And so there's places that we dwell in here that are the same as if we were standing in heaven. That's the places he's prepared for us. I believe one day when we transition over, we're going to be like, I was holding on, and I knew it was going to be amazing, and it is more than I could ever imagine, but it feels just like home because I've been living in this for a long time. My father's house has many dwelling places. If it were not, if it were otherwise, I would tell you plainly. If it wasn't so, I'd just tell you because I believe in freedom. I don't have to tell you anything to try to get you to do something I want you to do. I just believe in telling you that I'm going to prepare a place, and that's the truth, and decide if you want to come or if you want to live, if you want to reside there. Because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. He's going to prepare a place for you to rest. Don't let your heart be troubled. You're going to mess up. And many people think this is just talking about heaven. If you read on down in the same chapter, you'll see where Jesus says, I'm going to come and abide in you, and you're going to come and abide in me. He makes plainly clear that this is not just about some eternal time when we all transition to one place, and that's our place. It's very clear that he's saying the place that I'm going to provide is going to be a place of relationship and fellowship between us, and it's not going to be bound or confined to one hemisphere of influence. Are you with me? It's clear. So don't let your heart be troubled. You're not going to be perfect, but that's why I'm going to die. To create for you a place of rest. Will you enter in? Will you receive the gift of his rest? Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I am, say it with me, gentle, humble, easy to please. If anybody in this room thinks you know God, but you don't know him to be, where was I? Gentle, humble, and easy to please. According to the word, according to the word, your mind has been blinded and you've been fed false information and you've come to fake news about who God is. And it has produced in you a never-ending cycle of attempting to prove the God who you think you know. But if you really knew him, he would be easy to please. Look at it in the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Some of us need to learn 
the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I thought about using a chair today for this analogy, but I didn't feel it would be appropriate. I thought a love seat <laughs> would be more appropriate. Since we're co-seated, I believe we need a love seat. Can I tell you he's done striving? His exact words are, it is finished. I'm going to sit down. I don't have time today, but it says he was exalted. He humbled himself. Even unto death, he let go of equality with God. He didn't think it was something to be grasped or held on to, so he did not resist to become man, but he released it, and he died. He humbled himself even to the point of death. Then he was exalted to a place above all, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. So he was exalted. This is exaltation. And we're trying to be exalted. And we got to learn that this is exaltation. This is the highest place of power and authority that we can ever be in in the kingdom is co-seated with the one that said it's finished listen he said you can come boldly to my throne of grace he's a, he's a, he's not a high priest that doesn't know the feelings of our infirmities he is the high priest that's not going to get back into the emotional baskets cateness caseness of those infirmities because he's finished with them and he's inviting us to sit in the finished work of his unforced rhythms of grace with him. Where are you, God? Where are you? Move harshly, vengeously, do something. I'm scared. Something's happening. This is going on. This is going on. God, make, fix them. He's like, I already did. But all you need to worry about is that I've already fixed you. If you would like what I've already done in you, it's over here. Come on, sit with me on the love seat. I just want to show the riches of my goodness through you from now through all eternity. Would you accept my invitation to sit in the finished work that I've done for you? I know you love me. 
I know you're striving to please me. I know you want to fellowship with me. The problem is you're wanting me to join you in things that I'm done dealing with. We're not moving the heart of God or changing the heart of God by the extremeness of our intercession and our fasting and our wailing. We're coming to a place of understanding his perspective on the situation. Oh, my goodness. If I could somehow give you a snapshot, I almost guarantee everybody in this room would vote to let me finish today. John 16, How about if I agree to not sit down again, you guys stay with me, all right? Everyone that's a regular tender, will you raise your hand and witness with me? On a regular basis, very rarely, we stay here after 1230. Would you please testify that? All right, okay, so all of you non-regular tenders know this is not the normal, all right? But give me freedom today. John 16, 33, Passion Translation. Everything I've taught you, everything. Think about that. Put on flesh, walked among us, spent time with 12 men, and one of them was going to betray him. Another was going to deny him. All of them were going to run away. They're going to fall asleep while his sweat's turned to blood. He came to do all that to teach them something. That's a pretty important thing, I would say, from the kingdom of heaven. If he says everything I taught you was for a reason, then that's pretty huge. That the God of heaven would send his son to teach men something and suffer and become all of that. And I mean, he could have came and died for us without teaching anybody anything. But he subjected himself to walking in fellowship with 12 men who never got it. Anybody want to walk with people in fellowship but don't want to try to make them get it? He, he subjected himself not only to walking in fellowship but to attempting to make them get it as well. Here's what he did. Everything I've taught you is so that, here's the reason, everything I taught you is because I want to make sure that you know all the information so that you do all the things that you have to do or everything I do is going to fail. So what I'm worried about is I'm worried about delegating my kingdom to you and I'm a control freak, so I'm trying to spend three years with you to make sure that y'all do everything perfect and you save the world and you carry all this on your shoulders and I've been trying to teach you these lessons and if for any reason y'all don't get this, guys, listen to this. If you don't get this, everybody's going to die and go to hell. I want you to listen to me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make what I'm saying so sensational. I'm going to put so much pressure on it, and I'm going to make you be devoted to me and listen to me because I so desperately want people to hear me because I'm so worried about them not getting it and doing enough right. That's why I did it, right? And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you 
and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. Dear God. All of this. Remember that day I got a little frustrated with y'all on the boat? And I got mad and I was like, why y'all don't believe anything? How long have I been with y'all and y'all still don't believe? Remember that day I got a little frustrated? This is why. This is why. Everything. Every conversation. Every sermon. On every hill. Every miracle. Every single thing I did while sucking air on this planet was to show you how to live in peace and rest. How in the world can we get that so messed up? What would Jesus do? Oh gosh, what would Jesus do? Oh gosh, what would Jesus do? Oh, I got to do what Jesus would do in every situation or so much pressure. You want to know what Jesus would do? He would live in peace and rest. So much so that everyone that came in contact with him would just get healed by peace and rest. Everyone who wanted to trap him and kill him would end up looking up while he's on the cross and saying, surely this was the Son of God. Everything I've taught you is to live in peace and rest. Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. He holds the universe together. I just want to teach you how to be in peace and rest like me. Well, does that mean he's lazy? He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. <laughs> Yet he didn't come to teach us how to hold the universe together. He told us how to live in peace and rest because he knows no one can speak to the universe without being in rest and peace. But anybody who can be in rest and peace in him can speak to anything and see it moved and tossed into the sea. <laughs> let's get the main thing back to the main thing. Let's move the works out of the way and let's know who he is and let's watch works flow out of our life. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins. And then, and then, took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. Complete. It is finished. Complete. It's done. Sit down. Rest. We're not striving towards something. We're living from something. We're not looking for approval. We've been approved. Freedom flows through us because of the approval that we walk in. Hebrews 4, 6-11. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of faith's rest. Because of their unbelieving hearts. 
people encountered, encountered, looked in the eyes. What was the word that our kids liked? Personification. The personification of peace and rest looked them in the eyes. And their fear and their unbelief because it would cause them to have a lack of control and they wouldn't have all the answers in their religious system. They weren't able to walk into that faith's rest. And if all the people knew that they could be free, then they would have no authority. Sometimes we want to cling to authority by refusing to go into rest. You have more authority than you ever have in your entire life while you're in rest, but we think it's an absence of authority. So we resist it. Jesus was exalted to the highest place of authority, and that was a place of seating. He didn't get exalted to a pulpit. He didn't get exalted to a keyboard. He didn't get exalted to a television station. He didn't get exalted to his own 501c3. He didn't get exalted to any of that stuff. He got exalted to a seat. I want to get exalted to a seat. Don't you? If in my seat there's a way that I can stand up here and speak from my seat, then so be it. If there's ever an inability for me to stand up here and speak from my seat, I'd rather go back home and sit in my seat. They weren't able to enter it because of their unbelieving hearts, yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise. Even though the first people didn't, we still have the opportunity. For God still has ordained a day. For God still has ordained a day. For God still has ordained a day. He chose it. He established it. He's chose a day for you, for you to enter into called today. (laughs) Ain't that good? He's chose a day. He's ordained it and called it today. For it was long afterwards that God repeated it in David's words, If only today you would listen to his voice and do not harden your hearts. Now if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua in the Old Testament brought the people into the land of Canaan, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest to come. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience as we enter into God's faith rest, life will cease from our own works. Just as God celebrates his finished works and rest in them, so then we must give are all to be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief.
Don't worry, I've already decided we're going to conclude next week. There's no way I can wrestle through, rush through point number two. Y'all don't want me to rush through point number two. Point number two might get a whole service. Point number three might get the next, all right? All right. Point number four might be Easter or something. I don't know. Proverbs 3, 24 through 26. Let me just prophesy with somebody today. You will sleep like a baby, safe and sound. Your rest will be sweet and secure. You will not be subject to terror, for it will not terrify you. Nor will the disrespectful be able to push you aside. Because God is your confidence in times of crisis. Keeping your heart at rest in every, say every. What if I mess up? What if somebody else messes up? What if everybody messes up? What if everybody I know messes up? Psalm 16, 9, my my heart and soul explode with joy, full of glory. Even my body will rest confident and secure. Psalm 116, 7, now I can say to myself, say, say to myself, and to all, say to myself, and to all, so now let's do it, say to yourself, relax and rest, Be confident and serene. Now turn to all beside you. Relax and rest. Be confident and serene. For the Lord rewards fully those who simply trust in him. Proverbs 133. But the one who always listens to me will live undisturbed in a heavenly Peace, free from fear, confident, and courageous. You will rest unafraid and sheltered from the storms of life. This was point three. So, you'll be back next week. And it wasn't, it wasn't perfect how I wanted it this week either. So I got a chance to tweak it. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. Look at that. He even lets me get my sermon illustrations on right. He loves me. He knows that means a lot to me. He loves me. He does. He loves me. <laughs> he loves you. He loves you. He loves everybody in this room. He loves you. He's concerned with what concerns you. My goodness, I wish I lived what I've preached to you today. I'm going to in my life. So silly. It blinds us. Leaving rest blinds us from perspective. I'm convinced of this. At the love seat with him, 
There's no standing room. Huh? It's in heavenly realms, and there's no standing room. Only sitting room. I see it on a huge pedestal, and all that's there is the love seat. You're either sitting with him in heavenly realms, or you're standing. When you stand, you lose all perspective. You're sitting with him in heavenly realm, realms, or you're standing in earthly realms. Completely subject to the understandings of man. You don't get to stand up with him. He's like, dude, this is a place of peace and rest. If you're going to do all that, you're not looking anyways while you're up here because you're not seeing it right. So just go on down there and let it be as you believe it to be. But the invitation remains. It's totally different up here. But there's no standing room. There's no striving spot up here. We don't have a striving circle. Welcome to rest. Prayer team, can you come? Everybody, will you stand with me just because it's more comfortable for people today and we'll be exiting in just a moment. It's a crossroads. It's a crossroads. And because of God's choice, we're afforded choices. Today, one of our choices is to rest. Because of the cross, there's an invitation for us to be seated with him in heavenly realms and to rest. You can't rest and strive at the same time. I love that song. Josh Morton sings it. My favorite. There is no striving in him. In your love. How's it go? There's no striving in your love. There's no striving in your love seat. There's no striving in his love seat. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.